This is the Hope Not Note podcast, where we answer your questions and share inspirational stories to fill your soul with hope. Our mission is to empower hope to those who have been plagued by nope. I'm Dr. Dylan Caswell. And I'm Brandy. And we're here to bring you out of the nope and into hope. Welcome back to the next episode of the Hope Not Note podcast. We hope that you are doing well. We're so thrilled to be with you today. At the beginning of each podcast, we share our hope stories. And I know Dylan is so excited to share his hope story. The Kansas City Chiefs are (laughs) back-to-back Super Bowl champs, baby. (laughs) Yes, I have a plastic replica ring that I will be wearing probably until next season. (laughs) But the Chiefs, this is my favorite year of them winning the Super Bowl because they had a hope not nope season. Mm -hmm. They faced so much adversity. Now that they've won, right, they have three Super Bowls, they have two back-to-back, they're getting some haters. Mm -hmm. They're getting a lot of haters. And I just want to point out a couple of things, just just a few things. People are saying the refs paved the way for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. That's an opinion. Let's look at the facts. Mm -hmm. The most penalized offense alignment in the league was on our team. (laughs) Most plays, we were starting at first and 15 or second and 20, always playing behind the sticks. We had the most amount of drop passes in crucial game moments out of any team in the NFL. Our leading receiver is our tight end. Our defense kept us in it this year. Mm -hmm. Time after time, adversity after adversity, they kept finding ways to win, even into the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes said it the best. That Super Bowl game was a microchasm of the entire season. Mm-hmm. It was the grittiest year. They pushed through. They persevered. They put their faith in each other. They put their faith in God. And they just kept working. And they kept working. And they believed in each other. They prepared. They just they were hope not nope. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite season <laughs> as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. <laughs> it makes me so happy. I obviously have, well, maybe not obviously, but I have chosen that Kansas City is my second favorite team. Cleveland Browns will always be my first, but marrying into a Kansas City family has been such a gift to me um, because hopefully the Browns will someday win a Super Bowl while I'm alive. But as of now, the Kansas City Chiefs will be doing that and I'm happy about it. But one thing um, that I feel like it made it this season so hope not nope specifically was the adversity right like they faced a lot of nope as you said and one thing Patrick Mahomes had said in an interview um like halfway through the season in an interview towards the end of the season he said it in the interview against the Ravens and then he said it at the Super Bowl is that God gave us the gift of adversity this year. And I think that 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 is a hope perspective. Like that is truly a hope perspective in the midst of nope. Because so many people can face nope in their life, but they stay in the nope until they become hope. But the reality is, is when you become hope, you're still going to have nope in your life. It's how do you keep perspective in the midst of the nope coming at you? And Patrick Mahomes said it great. It's the nope is still a gift Adversity is a gift because it allows you to become hope more and more for yourself, for the people around you, and for the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) (laughs) Red Kingdom, let's go. (laughs) I feel like I could hop into other hope stories, but I love that we're, you know, a couple days past the Super Bowl and it's just been such a joy for us um, celebrating that. (laughs) 100%. And so questions I get, right? And the other thing that's out there, Patrick Mahomes is a crybaby. Face the adversity that he faced this year. He complained one time Mm -hmm. to the officials on a call 
that cost them the game. Now, Kadarius Tony lined up offsides. He did that. Mm-hmm. You're a professional football player. Learn how to line up. <laughs> Do your job. But at the same time, he did that three other times in the games, and the refs never called it. So Mahomes' outburst was, wow, we finally made a big play downfield. We just beat the Bills, which was a tough game to win. And it got called back because Kadarius Tony lined up offsides, but also because the refs didn't call that the entire game until the most crucial play in the game. Then they decided to call it. Mm-hmm. So that was the outburst. And the outburst was the frustration of not having a receiver the entire year. So he had that one moment that, that people are looking at. Look, he's a competitor. He wants to win. He wants to be the best to, to ever do this. He wants to build a dynasty. He's so passionate about it. That's what happens when you put your all Mm-hmm. into something and we look at the Super Bowl again if they didn't go through what they went through in the regular season they would not have been able to overcome in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and by the way three Super Bowl wins every Super Bowl they've come back when they were down by 10 points mm-hmm. in every single Super Bowl they've never been in the lead everyone's like I want to see the underdog win <laughs> the Chiefs have been the underdog <laughs> they were the underdog they, in that game they were the three seed going into the San Fran phenomenal team studs on the offensive side mm-hmm. defensive side uh, but on the books they, they should have won that game but the fight the grit mm-hmm. the adversity that they faced through the year led them to propel themselves to victory that's why it's my favorite one yeah. so far of the Chiefs I love it dynasty because we can say that now because <laughs> we can say dynasty <laughs> I love it and I also think too there's something to be said about so many people love an underdog story right like so many people love an underdog story when they win and they become victorious but then you win and you're victorious and then you win and you're victorious again and then as a dynasty is being built it's like people want to see them fall they want to see um failure happened to this team that they were once rooting for and not just with the Kansas City Chiefs but just in life in general I think this Super Bowl their season allowed me to reflect on like am I encouraged when someone rises to victory but do I sometimes want them to fall if they've been in victory for too long I hope I'm not like that but I might be in some areas of my life and you might be in some areas of your life while you're listening. And I think that, you know, yes, we want different teams to win. And yes, there is a balance to the world, but we shouldn't want the, the fall of a person, the fall of a dynasty, the fall of whatever, just for the sake of failure. Like we should always be cheering and celebrating for people to be doing the best at what they're doing, especially when it's good intention and pure intention. And for us, like, that's what the Super Bowl was. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs are. And even if a different team won, it's, like, I love watching people celebrate in those big moments. Even if it's a team I don't like, because what a great opportunity for people who have worked so hard to be able to celebrate such a beautiful victory. And so, um, I don't know, I just think it's important to remain, like, celebratory for people who are winners. And I think in your own life, you should celebrate your wins as well. 100%. People will cheer for you to rise up, but more so they'll cheer for you to fall once you have made it. Mm-hmm. And another important point is that the reason we love seeing the celebration is because you get a glimpse of how much they've put into it to now appreciate that moment. No matter what the win is, if it's somebody buying a used car, if it's someone getting their first rental property or buying a house or opening their first bank account, their first time out of debt, 
no one sees what they went through in order for that one moment to happen. And no one will ever be able to fully appreciate what that person did to get to where they're at because we don't have the gift of knowing each other's stories. Mm -hmm. But in those brief moments, you can get an idea of how much that person put into it to earn that outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about, right? Hope is learned and earned. And that's why we like celebrating. We like seeing that because we just see, wow, this person earned that. They earned that outcome. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, as our listeners know, we could talk about the Chiefs all day long, but let's hop into our questions. (laughs) Our first question is from a listener named Trina. And she asks, what are the benefits of using a sauna? Trina, great question. I thought it was going to be Super Bowl themed questions the rest of the episode. <laughs> of course, so you did. I'm caught off guard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so there, there's all these what was, trends. What was your favorite play? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Halftime show was pretty good. Yeah. So there's all these trends that that come along. Some stay, some will go. And what we're seeing in 2024, kind of spilling over from 2023, is the idea of extreme heat and extreme cold. So on one side we have saunas, and on the other side we have ice plunging and ice baths. So this question specifically to saunas, the biggest benefit to it, my personal opinion, you get time away from the busyness. Like you're not on your phone. It's hard for people to get a hold of you. Hey, Brandy, 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 can you help me with this? No, I'm in a sauna. But you get to kind of escape from the world for a little bit and have a little bit of downtime. Do you need to do that in extreme heat No, but for some people, it does seem like the only way that they can do that. So then what are the the health benefits? Well, you're getting a lot of sweating happening and your body's not necessarily working that hard musculoskeletal-wise. So you're able to sweat and work on regulation without having the soreness of doing a workout. Mm -hmm. So it can be a good recovery. The other benefits are that you're challenging yourself, right? It's you're putting yourself in a position to take on heat and to sit there and tolerate it. You're putting yourself in a little bit of discomfort knowing that it's going to lead to a better outcome. So there's benefits in great exposure to, I can suffer through things that are uncomfortable, but I know that it's for a particular benefit. And then the last part from a science perspective is it is something within brown fat that activates it. And brown fat's been linked to other things that improve health metrics. I don't want to go too far into that, but generally there, there's that. Is there other ways to do that? 100%. If sauna is something that you enjoy doing, something that you like doing, then go ahead and do it. Is it something that every single person needs to be doing for their health? No. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so many different trends and like the world and the fitness world in general, and you see a lot of elite athletes going to the saunas and all those things. But then you also see, I see a lot of people here, even in Syracuse doing that. But if I'm being honest, in the middle of winter in Syracuse, like a sauna might not be a bad idea because it's (laughs) nice and warm and toasty. Um, I've never personally been in a sauna, have you? Uh, No, I've done hot yoga, but actually I have been in a sauna at the YMCA. At the Y? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know they had them there. Back like, oh gosh, like 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah, we'd go sauna, hot tub, sauna, hot tub then go work out, and then go back to it. Nice. Yeah. That's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Trina, thank you for that question about saunas. And um, listeners, I hope that if you've been curious about a sauna, maybe you do want to try it out. Maybe you don't, and that's okay. But I think the biggest takeaway from what Dylan said is it's important to have time away. 
And so if you're not using a sauna to do that, use something else that can give you 15 minutes a week, an hour a week, 15 minutes a day, whatever it may be, to have time away from your phone where you can just sit, pause, be reflective, and just like breathe and kind of decompress. I think that that's so important, especially in our our busy world today. So our next question is from a listener named Oliver, and he asks, what advice do you have for someone who is overwhelmed with juggling a busy schedule? Oliver, great question. I think we can all attest to that, Mm -hmm. that we've all faced that feeling of being overwhelmed. I was just reading this this morning from uh, Crystal Marshall, or no, Cynthia Marshall, who was the, I think the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. But she was talking about you have crystal balls and you have rubber balls. The crystal ball, you can't throw to someone. You can't drop it because if it drops, it's going to hit the ground. It's going to break. But then there's the rubber ball that if you drop the rubber ball, it's going to bounce and then other people can pick it up. So I think it's prioritizing in the busy schedule. What are the crystal ball aspects of your day? The things that you cannot delegate. You have to hold on to it. You have to protect it. You have to do it. And then what are the rubber ball that you can drop and other people can pick it up and do it? So I think it's so important. If you're feeling overwhelmed, it's likely that you're a leader because almost every leader is overwhelmed with all the things that go into being a good leader. But it's sitting down and prioritizing what are my level one priorities? What are my level two? What are my level three? Your level one priorities, these are the things that need to be done in order to keep the ship afloat. A lot of people go, oh, all my things are level one. No, they're not. Sit down, figure out what can you offboard. If you're having trouble offboarding things or delegating things, it might be that you're fearful of letting go of control. Like you want to hang on to all of those things to do it because you're afraid that someone's not competent in order to do it in that way. Now, when you off, when you delegate some something to someone and they're onboarding, it's going to take them time to learn. So you have to give them that time to be able to learn it, to make some mistakes and, and to figure out how to do it while you're leading them and while you're teaching them. So you have to be patient in that time, but know that once you do delegate that and they have a good foundation and they have the time to put into it, they're going to do it better than you've ever done it but is letting go of that control. Mm-hmm. Anything you would add in? Yeah, I think one of the the big things that I would include, and it's actually something that I shared with you recently, but if you have a list of, I knew you were going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a list of 10 things that you want to accomplish in a day, maybe 10 is too little, maybe you have a list of 50, I don't know, whatever your list is, subtract two. Just subtract two from the list Don't set the bar so high that it's unachievable in your daily tasks and the daily things that you need to be doing, but just subtract two so that you go into the day knowing, okay, it's actually not 10, it's eight, and I am going to accomplish these eight things. And I think that when you are able to do that, you're able to see like what is lower priority, what am I taking off? And I think that that can go into like delegation and things like that. Um, But also I think when we have so many things to do and we have a busy schedule, we get lost in the feeling of overwhelmed rather than just remaining present in that specific task. I know for myself, if I have a list of all the things to do, but I don't time block when I'm going to do it, I almost 
freeze where I'm at and I stay frozen and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Even though I have my list of 10 things, it's because I didn't time block them properly during the day or I had too many things that the too many things are making me feel frozen. And so I think also being aware of like, what are those things you need to get done and how can you maybe take a couple of those things off of your plate because they're just not as important. That was incredible advice that helped me so much Mm. because there's a catch 22 to this, right? We shouldn't be basing our day off of the amount of things that we've got, that we got done. And we do that often. I had a good day because I had a list of 15 things and I got all 15 things done. Well, does that mean if I got 13 out of 15 that I didn't have a good day, that I wasn't worthy of having a good day because I didn't complete these types of tasks? in realizing where are we putting our happiness and where are we putting our worth? Now the catch 22 of that is when those objectives were to serve other people. And by serving those other people, you feel accomplished because you changed the world. You made the world a better place by helping that one person. And when you start to not get those things done, then you start to feel unfulfilled or unhappy. So it is a catch 22, but at the same time, as Brandy's saying, if you prioritize it, you'll figure out what are those high level one priority things that you need to do. And here's the advice that really helped me. I had a dream of making everybody in this world happy. And I failed miserably because nobody's going to be able to do that. There's too many perspectives, too many personalities, too many opinions. You're going to upset people. You don't want to intentionally upset people, but you're going to upset people. Choose the people that you don't want to upset. I don't want to upset my wife. I don't want to upset my family. I don't want to upset our hope community. If people outside of that get upset, okay, (laughs) there's someone for you that you can go follow that'll help you out with that. So coming to terms with that helped me a lot. Yeah. It almost brings more peace of Mm -hmm. like, I... I don't have to quote unquote people please for my entire life, but I do have a specific group of people that I do want to please because we're like-minded and that's who I'm serving. And I love the language serving. I learned this at my previous job because a lot of the people there were getting roped into task after task after task. And the word task was becoming such a drudgery thing it was weighing people down it was discouraging people so what we ended up doing was like task the word task was not allowed Mm -hmm. in the office anymore and instead we use the word serve or services what are the services that you have today because serving and services are for others It, it helps you keep the perspective of like this isn't a thing to do because it's just to do. It's a thing to do because it helps the person next to me or helps helps the people out there that my job is going to bless. And I think that also changing that language during the day, you know, you can still make that list. It's important to still have the list of what you need to get done. But instead of saying to do, maybe put services mm-hmm. and it'll help you keep the perspective throughout the day. Yeah. So our little our little advice for you today. (laughs) Our last question is from a listener named Jim. And he asks, what type of exercise should I do as someone over 50? Jim, thank you for the question. I like that the name's Jim because in my head it's like G-Y-M. And he's asking a question about exercise, which makes me think of the gym. But it's a very, it's a very 
simple question, but a very loaded question because the answer is it depends. It depends. <laughs> Doesn't it always depend? It, it always depends. <laughs> so in this situation, we'll make some generalities, but we'll start by saying, what exercise should you be doing? Well, it depends on what your individualized goals are. If your goals are to be like Richard Morgan and become an indoor rowing champion, the exercise that he should be doing might be different than if your goal is to go run a 400 meter sprint. If your goal is to say, you know what, I just want to be able to lift my grandkids without having any type of symptoms or discomfort. Like the exercise that you should do will be different. I don't want to lose my balance. Your exercise will be different than the next person. So it's going to very much depend on what you want as a person. What are your limiting factors? How do we strengthen your strengths? And then how do we take your weaknesses and bring those back up to make you the most robust lifelong athlete that we can? So as a generality, as we get older, we should be doing more explosive power-based movements than we did when we were younger. It's kind of counterintuitive to what you've probably heard or what you've been told. When you get older, the most important thing that you can do is move with speed. Is it gonna be the same speed as when you were 15 years old? No, but it's so important. We lose power much faster than we lose strength as we age. After 30, I think it's 1% strength per decade and 3% for power. Now those can be offset by the training that you're doing. So what is power? Power has a time component. Work is force times distance. Power is work times distance divided by delta T, the change in time. The more powerful you are, it means the more output that you have. It means that you're moving a force times a distance in a short amount of time. So think of it this way. If you're older and you go to lose your balance, you slip on ice or you trip on a curb, does it matter that you have more endurance, more strength, or more power? The thing that you're gonna do to catch yourself is rely on how fast your system can react. That is muscular power. So here's the caveat to that. To possess muscular power, you have to have fundamental muscular strength. Muscular strength supports muscular power. Muscular power doesn't support as much as muscular strength that supports power. So you have to have strength to have power. But as a generality, as you get older, you need to move fast, you need to be explosive, and you need to work up towards that. So a very simple way that we like to start people with power-based movements when they're older is by doing power-based stuff on the ground, right? We're not gonna go, oh, you haven't sprinted or moved fast in 20 years, let's go do an agility T-drill, let's go do 200 meter, or sorry, 20 meter agility sprints as fast as you can because their body's not gonna adapt to that. It's gonna be too much load too soon. But what if we go on the ground, we do a bridge, so heels on the ground, lifting your butt up towards the sky. But what about on the concentric part, when you're lifting the hips up, we have you lift them up as fast as you can and then lower yourself down. Lift up as fast as you can, lower yourself down. We took out some impact forces, we took out the effect of gravity, but we added in some power into that. Now we can start moving that up across the sequence to eventually get to standing, jumping, cutting, and doing all of those things. So as a generality, as you get older, muscular power. But for muscular power, you need muscle strength. So get strength, add power in, but we need power. Gait speed, how fast you can walk 
is an independent predictor for how long that you'll live and how long that you'll live without needing assistance. That's fascinating. Yeah. I think um, as you were talking, I thought of all the different clients that you've had over the years and the different things that you would make them do, right? And not to um, not to downgrade 10,000 steps a day. Like yeah. I think a lot of people are like, okay, I need to get my 10,000 steps a day and I'm good. For some people, that is true. Like go get your steps in and you better be walking fast. Don't just be <laughs> strolling, but walk fast and get your 10,000 steps in. But I do think that there's something unique in your ability to be able to move powerfully. And one thing I was thinking of specifically was your one client, Mary, and mm. how she she was just a spitfire. We may have spoken about her in the past. Yeah. and um, She was just such a spitfire, older woman in her 90s, right? And and she, she would move with power. Mm-hmm. She would move with power in her 90s. And I think... You know, if I can be a 90-year-old like Mary, I'm going to have a great life yeah. ahead of me. Yeah. And I'll say to to back the point earlier, to her last day, she was at home. Mm-hmm. She was at home. And, and to me, when I look at when that time comes, when that time comes for my parents, when it comes for myself, when it comes for friends, when it comes for anyone that we meet, to me, that's, that's ideal. Mm-hmm. That you get to pass peacefully in your own environment. Mm -hmm. And the way that you do that is by what you're doing now, the training that you're doing. And it's never too late to start. It's never too late. I mentioned Richard Morgan earlier, 93 years old, three-time indoor rowing world champion. Guess when he started training? In his 70s. His 70s is when he started training for this. If you are having a heartbeat, if you have a breath, that means that your body can adapt to the stressors placed upon it. Now we need to make sure that when you're taking the load in, that you have good loadability so that you can adapt to those stressors. Because if you don't have good loadability and you're taking more load, hello injury cycle, Mm -hmm. you get back into that. We want to keep you out of the injury cycle. So we got to work on loadability as you're being loaded with gradual progressions, working back up to that. But you're never too old. You're also never too young. I guess the argument can be made if you're like an infant, if you're a toddler, you got no excuses. Right. But even an infant, right? They're they're working hard. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out how do I move my head? How do I roll? How do I crawl? How do I interact with all this space around me? So I guess they're training as well. So no, I, I take back what I take back. <laughs> can I do that? Is that yes, allowed? It's okay. allowed. <laughs> I think all in all, it's just, it's so important to move. It's important to spend time every single day doing something that's fulfilling. Um, Going back to the the first thing that we said after Jim asked this question is, it depends on what your goals are, but it depends on what fulfills you. If 10,000 steps a day fulfills you, great. But there is a level of, you know, what if you had that dream of, um, you know, being in the, is it called the Senior Olympics, Mm -hmm. where you are in your 70s and you want to try and get first place in your local Senior Olympics meet and you're training for a 400 at the age of 70 like that is awesome do that but don't don't sell yourself short because of age because of injury because of um previous belief systems that may have been given to you 30 40 50 years ago don't sell yourself short allow this to be a message of wow 
I can achieve something great again and I don't have to be afraid because that that really is the goal. And if you're a younger person listening and maybe you haven't faced that specific adversity and maybe you do, um, maybe you are fit and you are working out and all of the things, make sure to keep that as part of your life because you enjoy it and because it's so good for you. Don't allow it to become this burden or burnout or struggle. Make sure that you're pursuing the joy of movement, the joy of really what our bodies are, like celebrating what our bodies can do is, is great at every single age. Wow. Turn, turn the nope into hope. Turn the nope into hope, just like the Kansas city chiefs. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you so much, Trina, Oliver and Jim for these great questions. We're so honored to answer your questions at the end of um, every podcast we ask this, but please share your questions with us. You can head over to our, our Instagram at hope not nope. You can go to our website, hopenotnope.org and ask us questions because this podcast is fueled by those questions. And so we thank you so much. We would love for you to like and share and subscribe so that you can get future episodes just like these ones. We release them every other week, bi-weekly podcast just for you. And so we're, we're so thankful for you and we're happy to be able to serve you. And our website just got a huge facelift. It did. I, I love going on it and just looking at it now because it's just so appealing to the eye. Mm-hmm. It just looks so nice. So head over there, submit your questions. We are so happy to answer. And if you are competing in the Senior Olympics or any event and and you want to work with us, let us know because we will show up with a cutout of your head, <gasps> screaming our faces off, cheering for you, achieving that goal. Because as Brandy said in the beginning, we want to celebrate. Mm-hmm. We want to spend our time celebrating people regardless of where they're at in their journey. If they've made it, we want to continue to cheer them to keep making it or to reach that next level. If you feel like you haven't quite made it to that goal yet, we're still celebrating you. Mm -hmm. If you're at rock bottom, we're celebrating you. Mm -hmm. We are celebrating you at any moment and we're cheering for you to continue to keep winning. We have your back. We want you to win. We got you. And and we really will show up with a face card. I was just thinking of one of our, our clients who could potentially be in the Senior Olympics this summer. And I'm like, I am getting that cardboard cutout face tomorrow because I would absolutely love to do that. I think that person would be so encouraged. I think they would laugh hysterically. Yeah. But who doesn't want to, at any age be celebrated and I think sometimes people are shy they don't want to be but I think it still feels good for them inside I really do and so I want to celebrate that person when they compete and we want to celebrate you as well so if you want to work with us please like we would love to work with you but also if you just want to share a hope story with us we would love to share that hope story on future podcasts so please share the hope stories that you're going through because we would love to share them and help inspire our listeners as well. Have a great week and remember, every day is not just a day to be hopeful, it's an opportunity to become hope. The Hope Not Note podcast is meant for educational, informational, and personal development purposes only and does not constitute any health or medical advice. If you're looking for specific advice, connect with us to work with a hope coach. Hope Not Note podcast shall not be liable or responsible for any loss or damage allegedly arising from any information or suggestions in this podcast.